0: to the Cutaways podcast. I'm Justine and I'm Ashley and if you've never listened to our show before every week we watch a romantic comedy on Netflix from their romantic comedy subgenre list and we're watching them in chronological order from oldest to newest Um, you know to gain context insight to this crazy genre and because we like it just so gosh darn much. Um, hey Ashley what are we watching today? Today we are watching Casanova Brown
1: from 1944. Uh, Netflix's description of this is, A man on the verge of his second marriage learns that his first wife has given birth to their baby and kidnaps the infant to prevent her adoption. So, yeah. That, yeah. This was an Academy Award nominated film. (laughs) Okay, I want to know what you think of that description. I feel like that's a felony. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how do you not know? One, how do you not know that your first wife has given birth? Was she, like, pregnant during your divorce? Because I think that she would have had to have been. You had to have had some insight into the fact that she had a baby. And then you go and kidnap? Like, that doesn't make any sense no it it sounds bad it sounds it sounds horrible Mm -hmm. it's this this really does not sound like a very good movie for females and or babies
0: i hope he gets arrested in the end
1: (laughs) yeah me too but again we have to take everything with a grain of salt because netflix has horrible descriptions
0: yeah but the time era i feel like if this was a court case he would win he be able to claim ownership.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if you're signing over a baby to adoption, you do have to have permission from both the mother and the father. I don't think that it's good to just kidnap the kid, but I do think that he sh- if he wants the baby, he should be allowed to, to have the baby and take care of it.
0: Alright, so you are saying?
1: Uh Oh, Yes. Um, the movie stars Gary Cooper, Teresa Wright, and Frank Morgan. Um, it was directed by Sam Wood, and it was nominated for Best Art Direction Black and White nominee. It was the Best Music Score nominee and Best Sound nominee in the 1945 Academy Awards. Damn. I just don't see that with the story. Um, but... The movie is a feel-good romantic with the genres of classic movie, classic comedies, and comedies. hmm And it's rated three and a half stars on Netflix. A funny film about kidnapping. There's a lot of, like, not necessarily kidnapping, but there's a lot of romantic comedies that are, like having to do with going to obtain somebody and then, like, they fall in love and then that's, like, the thing. Like, the one that I'm thinking of is the Gerald Butler one with, uh, Jennifer, with Aniston. Jennifer Aniston where he has to go, he's, like, the bounty hunter, he has to go get her. And he essentially does kidnap her. He arrests her, or he puts the handcuffs on him and her so she can't get away. But then they fall in love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you ready to watch this? Anything else? Anything good? No, I'm scared for this movie. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Okay, we just watched um, Casanova Brown. Yeah, we did. Yeah. You didn't like it at all, did you? I didn't like it. I didn't think it was funny. Like, there was maybe a couple of that moments where I laughed, but mostly I was just like, is this supposed to be funny, like what they're doing? (laughs) Well,
1: according to my research, we I found the, uh, the New York Times review um, from 1944. They did not like it either. Mm. They said that it was basically trying to get laughs for the sake of laughs, and it had nothing to do with moving the plot along. That's true. I was really bored throughout lo- a lot of it. I was bored mm-hmm. until, like, the end where he actually... Stuff happened. Yeah, where he he goes to the hospital and he realize like he finds
0: all this stuff out. I feel like if someone gave me this movie to fix it, and I would just be like, I, I can't. <laughs> There's too much talking about things that are going to happen again. Like this has happened in other movies we watch. It's like a lot of planning for things, and then we don't see the actual thing that they've planned. Yeah, and it's just like so much talk. And, and no no showing. I think we notice that way more because we're so used to
1: movies showing rather than telling. Mm-hmm. We do in, in this day and age, people people don't want to be told how they need to feel or need to be told what's going on. They want to see it. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes nowadays. There are very, very little restrictions on what can be done in film with VFX and stuff like that. So back then, they might not have necessarily been able to shoot these things.
0: I don't know, but this this was a basic, basic story that I they could have, in my opinion, instead of all this backstory and all these setting up of things, just get right to the nitty gritty. Well, I think instead of,
1: because we go back and forth to flashbacks a lot, I think instead of starting out with a flashback and actually starting in New York... And what happens in New York. Just and tell then, it linearly? Not even necessarily linear, linearly. Like, have the story in New York and that be your intro. Because that was a, it was an interesting story, what he was telling. I don't think that we necessarily needed the setup that he was getting married and and all of that stuff before we find out what the movie's actually about. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a good 20, 30 minutes before we actually really find out what the movie, where it, where it
0: starts. Yeah, and I think that's ridiculous.
1: Well, there were a lot of characters that were, were somewhat unnecessary. I mean, they were funny, but they weren't necessary. Like, um, JJ, who was the father of Madge, who is the woman that he's going to get married, who is also played by, uh, the wizard from the Wizard of Oz. Lots of Wizard of Oz references. Uh in the last couple podcasts he was funny i think he i think he was over the top and i liked that about his character i think that's just who that actor is Mm. to be honest
0: it was annoying to me understandable
1: i thought that there were some really funny instances with him there was a lot of back and forth between him and Cass talking that i it just was like cut it just cut that down there Okay, he got a letter from the maternity ward. Like, let's stop talking about it. Let's, like, do something about it.
0: Movie takes place in Illinois. Yep. Rosemore. Rossmore. Rossmore, Illinois. Good old, good old Illinois were. Which has
1: to be close to Chicago because he was able to get to Chicago from Rossmore pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, on a train. Yeah. Okay, it starts really weirdly for me, which I thought was a flashback, but... It's It's not. It's not. I thought it was a flashback. He comes off the train. But here's where, okay, automatically I'm confused thinking about it. He comes off the train and he meets Madge. So how does he have a relationship with Madge already if he was just seeing this woman he was just uh, married to? I think Madge
1: was like his old flame kind of thing. And he went off to New York for, I'm assuming, business and to teach and stuff. And then they reconnected when he got back
0: okay so assuming that's true he goes to New York he's in New York prior to this he's in New York and he meets Isabel in the library yes and they immediately fall in love and uh, before they knew it they were married yeah before they knew they got married okay but where the movie starts is he's getting off the, the train in in Rossmore, and he meets Madge, and says, "Never mention New York to me again." Yeah, it was the worst. Yeah, but we at this point we don't know why or what happened. And then we cut to spring, spring yeah. in Rossmore.
1: Like I don't know. There were these title cards that would pop up, and it would just be like an establishing shot of where we are and the location of things. And they then it did it
0: because they did it for the reason they did it in Juno, for the pregnancy. Um, for time passage in pregnancy. Oh. Instead of saying nine months later. But
1: see, it would have been, this is where I think it would have been better had they started with everything in New York because mm-hmm. then it, it makes sense for that progression of time. It did not make sense at the very beginning. Because right. at the very beginning, we're like, okay, whatever. Or instead of doing that, cut out all of this whole backstory thing mm-hmm. and just start with he's getting married, it's a summer wedding, go. Yeah. And then he
0: can do flashback to last winter when he meets this girl. Last winter,
1: he just gets the letter and he's just like... Or he had already established with Madge, hey, I was in marriage before, this is what happened, things got shitty. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily... In this instance, I don't think we... If they started it that way, we wouldn't need to see all the things that happened in New York.
0: Yeah, because I feel like we're confusing by just trying to explain how it linearly came to us <laughs>
1: yeah it didn't they're trying to mess with how they're they're telling the story non linearly but they i don't think that they've quite figured out how to not be confusing right which makes me question like this is based off a play so i feel like the play might have done it quite differently okay because a play you have more freedom because you leave a lot up to the imagination Mm -hmm. of the audience you're not trying to actually in a movie you're trying to take people out of reality and make them feel like they're in this situation and in this time in a play it's similar but different because you kind of leave you leave that or there's that understanding between the actors and the audience that this is happening or you're supposed to be more connected with the characters rather than the places.
0: Okay, I just figured out what they should have done. <laughs> Here's what they should have done. They should have did it like Greece. Oh, yeah. They could have had a time in the beginning where he's with Isabel and they're in the library and whatever, they're having fun, the jolly old time, and they show him in love, and then you cut to your title sequence, and then when you're back, it's sometime later, but it's kind of established that way, and he's with Madge. Yeah. And then you're kind of drawn into the story of, like, wait, what happened to this other woman? Yeah. Like, if they did
1: that. Yes, it would be a lot better. And a lot of of the problem that I had with this, because we're cutting back and forth, is you're not really... Your only point of contact is Cass. Constantly shifting of emotions. Like, you can't connect with that character because you're getting just thrown this information that doesn't really make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. in the way that it's coming to you.
0: I feel like, you know, he's confused, but also the audience is confused, and it just doesn't, you can't keep up.
1: <laughs> yeah, and for it to try and be funny, a lot of the, the, the puns and the, the jokes kind of fall flat because you're still, you're you're not actually involved in the setup of the joke, because you're still trying to figure out what happened, like, three scenes before.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, all that to explain, like, where we are in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so it's springtime, we see this hallway, and somebody's getting yelled at, and out from this room is this little boy, who we never see again. Whose name is Junior, who I'm
1: assuming is Madge's younger brother.
0: No, it's, um, her
1: nephew. Oh, her nephew, okay. That makes way more sense, because that just didn't work right.
0: Yeah, and he's getting yelled at by the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So, uh, Madge, who's the blonde, is with Cass. Casanova Brown. Casanova Brown is the, is the name of our... Character. Is our lead character. Everybody yes. calls him Cass. Yeah. Like, supernatural. Yeah.
1: That's all I thought of the entire time. Yeah! I'm like, where's Misha? <laughs> Misha, we need you to explain this movie! <laughs>
0: yes. Okay, so, um... Cass and, uh, Madge have some words in the hallway, uh, but what it comes down to is that he needs to talk to JJ. And pretty much, uh, JJ, JJ is Madge's father, and and Cass has to go ask for- For her hand. Yeah, for hand in marriage. Permission. But it's- It's just weird because JJ keeps, like, calling her, like, revolting and, like, all these disparaging things about women he's got some issues happening that I don't know what. (laughs) Well, basically what-
1: he explains is that he married her mother for her money mm-hmm. because he loves money above everything else.
0: Yeah, just oh my God, I'm gonna just throw that away. It had nothing to do with anything. Yeah,
1: it was just to try and I think it was just to establish his nuttiness.
0: But his wife and her
1: family have put him on an allowance of twenty five dollars. I guess a month. I think it was a week. A week. He's not allowed to spend any money. So he's very frustrated by this, and he doesn't want, because it's kind of previously established that J.J. and Cass were kind of like buddy-buddies. He's probably the son that he never had, and um, they give, or he gives Cass advice and tries to lead him on this path. He's telling him, you don't want to be part of this, this life, because he's assuming that Cass is like himself. Yeah. Which isn't true.
0: No. So that's why I'm, like, get rid of this character. This whole subplot didn't need to be there. Yeah, so he's like, he won't allow the marriage. And then we cut to summer. (laughs) And they're getting ready for the wedding. Yeah, it's the wedding planning. Well, it's the wedding rehearsal.
1: Yes, they're prepping the church for the rehearsal. Or for the wedding.
0: So, yes, as we said, summertime.
1: The mother is having, like, arguments with her daughter. And very true to life, I'm assuming. I don't know. I haven't had to go through that yet. Um, it is a very frustrating process, wedding planning. <laughs> but yeah, they establish that in like one little bit of her mother and her and uh, Madge going back and forth about where the tree needs to be placed, and her mother then is just like, "Well, we'll just move it after everyone leaves." <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But then, Cass gets mail delivered to him. Yeah, because he's the since he's the bridegroom,
1: he's staying at the church. For the night before the wedding. Okay, I don't know. That's what. That's what I have. There's rooms in churches for reasons. Okay. <laughs> Um. Yeah, he gets his mail delivered, and he has a letter from the maternity hospital in Chicago.
0: Whoop, Chicago. <laughs>
1: Which they didn't show any of Chicago. I was kind of disappointed.
0: You know, they did like a uh, view out of the window in the hospital, and it looked like Union Station here in LA. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, is that Union Station? <laughs> but not like Chicago's Union Station, or
1: like LA's Union Station. <laughs> chicago's union station if you've ever if you've never been to chicago go to chicago's union station it's gorgeous um it's where they filmed uh the train scene in the untouchables
0: Mm-hmm. lovely um and i would much rather we talk about chicago I know, the things they yeah, filmed right. there um, let's talk about some chicago movies <laughs> uh, um. go ahead uh, I don't know. This is whole back and forth with JJ again, which was tiresome. Well, eventually it just cuts to a flashback of Cass telling the story of how he
1: met his first wife, and as we said, they met into a li- met in a library, and they were married shortly thereafter, and then they flash back to Isabel and Cass at her parents' house.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all. Cass is confused why the letter came from Chicago since they met in New York. Okay, so, continue.
1: Yeah, I know. It just, it doesn't, I, I don't know. I didn't think that, that was He just holds necessary. on these,
0: I know, I know. It, but, like, these moments where he just is, like, pondering for five minutes. Like, yeah. what does it mean? I'm like, I don't care.
1: <laughs> but, um, so he's sitting in the library of her parents' gigantic ass house Sitting room. Yeah, the sitting room. And, uh, Isabel is with her mother and father in the other room. Her mother is, like, devastated and freaking the fuck out.
0: Can I just say, what is with this guy and marrying, like, rich women? Marrying into rich families? I don't know. Because.
1: He doesn't come off as the, he never comes off that he wants the money.
0: Yeah, I know. It's just, well, maybe that was just a thing of showing American prosperity. Probably. So, yeah, the mother is crazy. Crazy sauce, crazy pants. Um, She's
1: very big into astrology mm -hmm. and how it dictates your life.
0: Yeah, so she immediately needs to know Cass's birthday. And all this information so that she can figure out what's going to happen. And, of course, it's bad news. It's catastrophic. Yeah. She wouldn't stop saying that word. She's like, no, no, this wedding is no terrible Sagittarius, blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. Kat, meanwhile, Cass is sitting in the other room smoking a cigarette. Comes to find out that there are no ashtrays because the family and, well, crazy mom, does not approve of smoking. Mm-mm. So he continues to smoke a cigarette, but he smokes it in a way that keeps the ashes on top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, that was, that's a, that's a setup. It's obviously a setup for something that's to come later.
0: Yeah, so he's taken his, all of his, his his butt and his ashes and his match, put it all in his hanky, put it in his pocket. Yeah. Because he can't put it anywhere else. So, yeah, he's in there with them, and he's like, I don't care about this fooie and whatnot, and making them all angry. Like, he's already married their daughter, and... But he didn't get the family's approval
1: first, and so, therefore, it can be annulled.
0: Well, it technically can't, but whatever.
1: <laughs> well, it depends on where, because the family does not approve, there was a legal way of getting getting a marriage annulled strictly on the fact that the family did not approve of the marriage.
0: Really? When Depending
1: was... on how old she was. Oh. Yeah.
0: She was a college girl. She was a college girl. So, women didn't have the same rights that we have. And, okay, well, they had sex. Yeah. Dumb. I'm just saying. <laughs> it, it's like a legally binding contract now, right?
1: Yes and no. It's a gray area of the law. De- depending on the family and the family's lawyer, they can get, they can get obviously get it annulled because they did.
0: Okay. Well, that That part I struggle <laughs> with. But I don't know the time period, you know, I don't know the laws and all that of that um but when did they do it i don't know (laughs) i don't know but
1: while they're all going about this conversation of how horrible their marriage is going to turn out because sagittarius and neptune were in retrograde his pocket starts to smoke
0: yeah it was liar liar pants on fire (laughs) yeah literally
1: (laughs) because his uh his mother asked if he smoked or his mother-in-law asked if he smoked, and he lied about it. And she said, well, a liar is worse than a smoker. Mm hmm And then his pants started to smoke.
0: Yeah, so then he threw out his hanky in the trash, and then the wastebasket catches on fire, which catches the curtains on fire. Which catches the entire house on fire. And they burned the house to the ground. Yeah. There was nothing but, like, the fireplace left.
1: Yep. It's true. Like, that, that is a thing that happened. Fire departments weren't as equipped as they were today, and Mm -hmm. depending on where they lived in New York, they might not have lived close enough to one to get there fast enough. This is how the entire city of
0: Chicago caught up in flames (laughs) and burnt to the ground. That's a good thing they weren't in Chicago at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Thus ends the flashback. Well, he walks away,
1: and their marriage basically is over. Yeah. And then there's more lots of man-talking.
0: Yeah, I just wrote down, he's spending so long figuring out why the letter came from Chicago. I'm just like, who cares? You just had a flashback with the only woman you've done it with recently. Yeah, or, (laughs) basically,
1: the letter says to call the doctor at his, uh, within the week. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't he just call the freaking doctor and get the information? Because the doctor isn't going to... The doctor is going to at least give him a semblance of what is going on, I think. Mm. He's obviously not getting any information from just pondering how it got to Chicago, or how he got a letter from Chicago. Yeah. But basically, him and JJ come up with the idea that he's going to take the midnight train to Chicago. We've all done that. Yep, or midnight drive. I did that. So he's going to go to the hospital, find out what's going on and basically he's still under he's trying to make himself believe that this is just all a a a ruse and a bad ad that was sent to him
0: yeah all the while kind of forgetting that he's getting married the next day yeah he did not he did not take
1: this new marriage very seriously because he's no. clearly still in love with us isabel yeah, that's true. Like any time he talked about her, he swooned.
0: Yeah, he loved her hardcore.
1: Yeah, um, so he gets to the hospital. I'm assuming the next morning, and there's this whole like maternity ward humor kind of back and forth with oh, the I nurses. I hated this. Well, <laughs> my mom is a my mom is an OB nurse. She is the one who takes care of the babies in the nursery and all that stuff. So I've been around maternity wards. I've, like, witnessed what kind of happens. And knowing the context of back then, men were not allowed in the delivery room. They weren't allowed around the baby until it went home. Mm -hmm. And even then, they did not, they didn't believe that the man had the responsibility of taking care of the baby at all. Mm -hmm. Like, they had no kind of rights to the care and well-being of the child, except for being financially stable. But, yeah, he puts it puts him through, like, a ton of back and forth with the nurses until they finally just send him into the waiting room with all the other guys. hmm Where one of them asks him, is this your first, and how long have you been married? Yeah. And he says, yes, this is my first, and I'm not married.
0: <laughs> to which they all stop talking and stare at him. Yeah. <laughs> and then they pull him out, and... ...running through a bunch of these tests. Yeah, he's having a very confusing time. Which, like I said, I also had a very confusing time. (laughs) He's confused, I'm confused. Well, I think, at this point,
1: you were supposed to be confused with him. Because you weren't necessarily... I mean, as a female, I knew what was going on, sort of. I knew that they were doing tests. Um, I knew that he had a baby. He clearly had a baby in this hospital, and they were doing tests for some reason which you then brought up the fact that they're doing this so that they have a, all of all the information on file for their adoption.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, once they get done with all the tests. Although some people thought he, <laughs> he was pregnant.
1: Oh, yeah, there were a few moments where he was rolling past, like, the pregnant ladies and the guys were really confused. And they said,
0: oh, wait till Ripley hears about this. hmm Okay, so then he gets to the end and he's got perfect health and he's all set to go. And he finally meets the, the doctor and she's like, don't you want to take a look at the baby? Yeah. And he's it, like, bah, bah. Yep.
1: He does a double take and then follows her to the little viewing area where he, where she brings out the baby to the window and he is instantly... This is daddy's little girl.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he falls in love hardcore with the baby. Now. Oh, yeah.
1: She has him wrapped around his little finger at the age of two weeks. <laughs> but, yeah, then they call down because they're assuming that he wants to meet with the mother. Um, Isabel is there with her dad.
0: Well, she says to him, um, the doctor says to him, af- right after... He's, like, in love, and he's, like, oh, the baby's so perfect, da 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 da." and she goes, it'll be a very lucky family who gets that child, and it's just, like, this huge bomb that has just been dropped on him. Yeah. Like, he's just completely devastated. Mm Mm-hmm. That he's, like, what do you mean? What do you mean? So, yeah, he goes to meet with Isabel, and he's, like, what's this idea to give my baby away? Yeah, and she's, like,
1: your baby? She's my baby. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And... Tells him that, say there's a scenario or say I'd want to get married again, but I can't because I got this baby or something. And it you wouldn't can't, look good. Yeah, you can't ask another man to raise a, another man's baby. She, yeah, it was just this big double standard yelling that, like, no, you you ha- you can do it or something. And she's like, but you're getting married. He's like, no, 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 you can't get married, but I can get married and stuff like that. This whole... Blah. Yeah, there were stuff like that, but they...
1: Basically, what this came down to was that the father had no rights over what was going to happen with the baby. If she didn't... the My whole thing... Yeah, I got the whole double standard of the wedding kind of thing, but she can get married and leave the baby with its father if the father wants the baby, in my opinion. I think that was, like, a complete setup of the times where... Men basically had no rights over what was going
0: to have the well-being of their child, essentially. Well, I don't think it was looked upon where you could have a baby split between two families. No, it definitely wasn't. So someone had to take the baby or she gives the baby up to adoption.
1: Yeah, but it shouldn't just be her decision. I guess that was where I was getting angry. Or not necessarily angry, but I was getting a little frustrated with, with the time period because she shouldn't be the only one that's given making the decision to give the baby up for adoption. That is his child, too. If he was not in the picture at all, if he did not want the baby, yeah, she's doing the right thing, give it to a family that's going to love it, and take care of it.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: if the father does want it and wants to be in that kid's life, mm-hmm. he does have a right to it.
0: Yeah, but like you said earlier, with the time period, it's not expected that the father would know yeah. an, an unwed father without a wife would know anything of how to feed a baby or anything. (laughs) This
1: is where I kind of thought that this, at this point in time, it started to kind of be, in a sense, a feminist movie. Because father's rights are a feminist issue. It is a thing. Feminists have always been trying to break the stigma of that men can raise their kids too. And... I don't know if this comes from me just growing up with Mrs. Doubtfire and that courtroom scene where he desperately wants to be with his kids. You know, I always wanted that. I always wanted to have a father who was going to be strong enough to fight for for me and my well-being and to be in my life. I didn't have that. I had a father who wanted to fight with my mother over whatever than trying to be in our life, or me and my sister's lives. So that's where I think this kind of it had moments where i was like yeah you can he can do these things just because there's this stigma around it or there's this thought process around it he is still a person he can raise a child mm-hmm. and it just doesn't... i'm just trying to figure out what the movie's saying well i think at the end it's it's trying to say that you know fathers can be loving and included and feeding and and nurturing just as much as a mother can but it it did have those undertones where the baby needed a mother and a father and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But I think at its core, when you kind of get down to it, this was a father who didn't want to lose his child. Mm-hmm. There was That was a big overreaching thing throughout the entire thing. So, yes, there were spurts and splinters of everything else, but at its core, it
0: was that. So it was a bit muddled, but... But it was there. Yeah, yeah. I get you. No, I agree with you. I do. Did I? Do I agree
1: with his reasoning behind or how he came about achieving his goal? No. No.
0: It's one of those things that happen in movies where nobody outwardly says what they want. Yeah. It, like all this could have been solved if like people had just been straightforward. Well, and if Isabel hadn't lied to him. Yeah, Isabel. Okay, so. Pretty much after this, we are definitely clear that he loves her. He's like, oh, you know that I would have cared and done anything for you if you had just let me know. And she's like, well, if you wrote me, you're, you know. Yeah. They they just weren't communicating or something. The family came between them, but they love each other. But then he takes the baby, and then we find out the truth.
1: Yeah, he takes the baby. He then calls off the wedding um, that he was going to have the next day. Which I thought was a kind of a funny moment because JJ says, or he calls JJ and he's like, "Yeah, you can't. You're gonna have to call off the wedding. I can't make. I I can't make it. Whatever." And so that JJ is like, "Okay, good man. I will um, give this give this news as uh, give this news with the air of a crooked politician," mm-hmm. and hangs up the phone, and then uh, gives the news says that. Cass is calling off the wedding. He's in Chicago. He met with,
0: uh, some old friends. Well, one old friend and one new friend. Okay. But to be clear, Cass, dressed up as a doctor, snuck into the, the maternity ward, the maternity ward viewing area, took the baby right out in front of the eyes of all sorts of people, past doctors right out to the exit, you know, past some people. People were just, like, shrugging him off because he's just a dude in a Yeah, it's,
1: it's exactly like that whole, um, the white coat thing in, um, Patch Adams, where they steal the white coat so that, because they're not actually considered medical residents yet, so they steal the white coat so they can sneak into the residency, and everybody just expects, because they're wearing this white coat, that they're residency, or resident, uh, students, and I think that that is, that kind of is a real thing, I think Without the security that hospitals have now and ID badges and all that right. stuff, it would be, it would be very easy for somebody to do that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. All those uh, bracelets now with the tags and the...
1: Oh, yeah. Where you have to scan the baby out of the nursery yep. and it can't go... The ones at my mom's hospital, they have a chip in them and mm-hmm. the, the elevators, the elevators will not go anywhere. Or the doors won't open or anything like that if the the ID badge hasn't been scanned properly.
0: Yeah, I think they did that on house.
1: Yes, they did. But yeah, they they really do exist. It Mm -hmm. is a thing. And because of this. (laughs) (laughs) Because people just take your babies. Well, people take their babies
0: and you don't know what they're going to do with them. Okay, so, yes. Called off the wedding and then we have a scene with Isabel and she admits that she never intended... She's telling the doctor, I never intended to set the child up for adoption, I just wanted to get the father interested again, which is so manipulative again. Yes. It's, it's like she, she talked herself
1: into believing that he was never going to take a phone call from her, that he was never going to answer any letter or any type of communication, so she had to go to the most drastic, uh, like, aspect mm-hmm. of this, which is a very, I guess, movie thing- to do when you think about it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, a lot of things are fantastical in movies and they're kind of out there. And it's just to set up this this story. So it's to set up the comedy of, of everything. Well,
0: actually, that's why I was going to say, that's why I thought this was more of a drama. So much drama. Like, everybody was crying and upset most of the time. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a comedy to me.
1: <laughs> it sh- there were bits of comedy. I think that they were trying to go for a fantastical screw like screwbally kind of comedy but without the the uh, the physical comedy. Uh,
0: it just it was too serious for me. Everybody Gary is Cooper serious. is
1: not a very comedic person. Mm-hmm. He was I felt like he got very sweet and uh, like I thought it was cute what he did with the baby. And I thought he was very natural and genuine in his love for the baby and how like instant that love is when you see your child. He's no Cary Grant. He is no Cary Grant.
0: <laughs> but Gary Cooper that isn't. I would have bought. <laughs> I
1: yeah. He would. He would have taken this with like a witty kind of edge to it. With Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper is famous for being this classy James Bond kind yeah. of like debonair kind of dude. I mean, he's literally mentioned in putting on the Ritz. In the lyrics.
0: Oh, yes, yes. So, So, bad
1: casting? Bad casting. Mm. Well, bad casting because he didn't have any chemistry with any of the, either (laughs) wife. There were three of them in the end. Yeah, there were three of them in the end. But he really, he was genuine about his love for the baby. Yeah. I, I will give him that.
0: Well, he gets a little crazy sauce in the next part. Okay, well, actually, the doctor and Isabel, after having that talk, go to the to the viewing area and they find that the baby is missing and I'm like ah drama again. Yeah. So then Cass is hiding in a hotel room. And he's got this whole system set up with the the housekeeper and the, the doorman. Doorman like he's got his inside people. Yeah. To, to who like know his story from his point of view and are there to like help him and take care of the baby. Yeah.
1: Which I think for The Times is pretty progressive. I mean you have a woman who sees a father and it, and it, the love that's there, and then you have a man who isn't he's just going along with it. he's not being judgmental he's being well, the doorman's a bit of an idiot he is a bit of an idiot, but he's there's still like that air of because even idiots have judgments and uh can perpetuate i guess um certain
0: societal bullshit. But, okay, so, help me out here. I was confused. He was concerned about the baby's weight, but I also, I was concerned because of his concern that, was he putting the baby in danger?
1: No. Okay. He was not putting the baby in danger at all. Um, he, when it's your first baby, you do, those commercials that they show, like, with the loves diapers and how like it's your first child and you're like sanitizing the the baby uh, the pacifiers but then when you have another one you're like you just wipe it off with your shirt and give it back mm-hmm. that's kind of how it is is you get this overprotective like oh my god what do you do I've never had a child, but I have witnessed this many, many times with my aunt and uncles. And you're a babysitter. Like, my parents wouldn't let me go near babysitter. (laughs) Yes, I was a babysitter. I actually was certified. I know how to do baby CPR and have been certified since the age of 14. I think I've touched, like, maybe three babies in my life. Okay, let's put this into context. (laughs) I have, my mom is one of five children, for my grandparents. And I am the oldest of 15 grandchildren on my mom's side. I have seen lots and lots of babies. By the time I was 12, I think we were at number 10. Damn.
0: Yeah. And I think by the time I was 12, I had touched zero babies.
1: (laughs) I have been around a lot of babies. Um, so I kind of, I see this, especially, I remember when my uncle Joe had his first baby he was really like this with Tyler. Like he was like, "Oh, we got to make sure that this is okay. We got to make sure that um, he's not overeating or that he's not he's not colicky. He's like you were watching this baby twenty four seven because he was so worried. And that's your first baby. It's mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're doing a good job and you want to prove that you're doing a good job.
0: Well, well, can you explain the whole thing then? What he was doing with her her weight.
1: He was weighing her to make sure that she wasn't gaining too much weight. In his mind, he was taking all of these medical documents out of context and thinking, oh, well, then that means she's never going to stop growing. She's going to gain all this weight, and it's a problem with her pituitary gland. He was reading stuff, like, that's way later, Babies gain weight very quickly, and yeah. they're supposed to.
0: See, that's what I was concerned with, because, like, these days, this day and age, I read stories on the internet of people not feeding their baby daughters because they don't want their daughters to be fat. No, he was... <laughs> but babies are supposed to be fat. He was
1: taking it as, because he was talking about glands. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole thing with the pituitary gland with, it causes your thyroid to release more um, uh, of a hormone that makes you grow quickly. That's where, how grow, when growth spurts happen when you're, you're a teenager. Um, so he was taking that as it was happening now because she was gaining all this weight. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't, he wasn't not feeding her. You saw that he was just wanting to make sure that the formula was in the right consistency so that it wasn't going to upset her stomach. It wasn't going to cause all of these other things. He was just worried because he didn't know hmm But he wasn't not feeding her. He wasn't putting her in any type of danger, in my opinion.
0: Okay, good. I was confused. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with babies. He was just being
1: hyper-aware of everything that was going around, going in and out of this child.
0: Okay. Okay, so, yes, he's trying to concoct the perfect formula, then? Yes. For this baby something?
1: The, the perfect consistency to make sure that she's not gaining too much weight because you don't want babies to gain or to be overeating to the point where it makes them sick.
0: Mm -hmm. But he's also been sending reports to the hospital. Yes. Daily reports pretty much on her health.
1: Yeah, they were saying it's gotten so bad that it was almost two a day. Mm
0: -hmm. So he definitely has
1: this worried father syndrome kind of thing going on and that's normal.
0: Mm hmm Okay, so then it's some point after this whole like they're taking care of the baby and trying to get things for the baby and setting up the baby to be fine frank the idiot uh doorman goes to the hospital to get the prescription for the formula yeah but then he's like oh yeah they were definitely more helpful when i gave him your name and
1: yeah i gave him your name did you tell him where where we were no Uh, I was very discreet about that. But he was wearing his hotel uniform, so they obviously know where he is now. Which I
0: don't know why the cops didn't show up. Was it reported to the cops? Some, she was saying at some point she wanted him arrested. Yes, that is true. She changed her story, though, from wanting him to be arrested to just wanting him back.
1: Well, it went from wanting him arrested to wanting him dead to wanting him back.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> I feel like at the hospital had to file with the police that the baby was missing, right?
1: Nowadays, yes. I don't know about back then. Do
0: you think it was just like a personal lawsuit type of thing? or
1: I don't know. I think it was maybe the hospital, because he was sending all of these reports, they knew the baby was somewhat okay, but wanting to save their reputation in a way probably and keep it out of law enforcement because I don't know. We're in Chicago. It's a different time period from what we know. So I don't know. It happens after the doorman comes back and they find out that everyone knows where he is.
0: Everybody shows up at the hotel. So he tries to make an escape. But doesn't he try to get married first? Well, he decides that or he figures it out. Oh, that wait Yeah. So he's ranting about his man problems.
1: He wants to keep his baby. Yes. That yes. that's the main thing and he's trying to to do that. And I think what he was doing was very noble. I don't think that this is like a whole oh listen to him gripe about his problems what he can and can't do. Or he said something along the lines of we can be president and we can be we can do all this stuff but we can't raise a baby. Mhm. And in that context I think he had a right to say it that way because it's true. Mm-hmm. It not, it's not necessarily a form of equality or saying anything bad about women.
0: Right, because it's, it's the patriarchy that brings him down. It
1: is the patriarchy that brings him down, and he's, he's mad about that. He's mm-hmm. deeply hurt by that, and I think that if, if anything to be, should be taken away from this movie is that men can take capable care of the baby mm-hmm. on their own. 'Cause he did. He was all decked out in his sterile outfit all the time when he was holding the baby and his around the baby. stolen
0: hospital goods. Yeah, his <laughs>
1: stolen hospital wear. Um Okay, and his stuff. But then and stuff. he's
0: ranting to um what's her name? The the housekeeper.
1: I didn't catch her name.
0: Began with an M
1: is it Myrtle? No. Or Marion?
0: Maybe didn't I didn't... Again. I didn't catch it.
1: I just knew she was, like, the maid.
0: Um, but she's like, so if you married again, you could keep her? And he's like, that's a great idea. Let's go get married. Yeah. Because <laughs> it wasn't... He was willing to,
1: to do anything for
0: this child that has been established. So... So we see him go to go to City Hall and show up there with the baby. He's got the baby with him to go get married. Um... JJ and Mad show up, and then Isabel and her father show up. And they're all in the elevator together. Yeah, and then Frank spills the beans again that they were going to go get married. And Isabel gets terribly upset. Yeah.
1: She is devastated and depressed. She and gets so
0: upset that thunderstorms happen. Yes.
1: Which I mean, she's a mother separated from her child. This, she hasn't seen this kid from, for about two weeks Mm -hmm. at this time. And that, to not know where your baby is, to not know what's happening, even though everyone else, or, well, Cass was under the impression that she didn't want the baby, that she didn't care about it, and she's hurt. I don't think that they, they they didn't focus on that enough, in my opinion, that she was devastated. Hmm. About her child being gone. Right.
0: She was more devastated about Cass getting married again.
1: Yeah, that was what... I think that's what, like, tipped it off. It was, like, the trigger. And then... Because she was holding it together really well. But Mm -hmm. I think that finally was the the straw that broke the camel's back. Because she wanted him back, too.
0: Yeah, she was not... They didn't play her out to be a good person at all. She is using Mm -hmm. the child as a pawn to get this man. Which is, is not not good people think
1: people think that women do this all the time yeah so while it's perpetuating good ideals Mm -hmm. it is perpetuating bad ideals as well
0: good ideals for men and bad ideals for the women about women yeah true well frank tells the cast that he spilled the beans so they get him another room right next door
1: (laughs) yeah like down the hall it's like three rooms down the hall
0: yeah where everybody's waiting for him to come back
1: yeah, they sneak out. Except for, his stuff. um,
0: what's her face? Mad. She's just like, I'm done with this guy. And yeah, she, she, like, leaves.
1: She walks out, and JJ's the one who stays.
0: Yeah. Because they're buds. For <laughs> whatever. Well,
1: he was taking all of Isabel's dad's money.
0: Yep. But he was well off. He didn't care. <laughs> whatever. Money. He
1: was just there to get the. He was there for the well being of his daughter.
0: Mm hmm. I thought. Um, okay, so Isabel is super depressed. She has her hand up, looking out the window. On the thunderstorm. It's raining on her face. And then she suddenly hears a baby cry. Yep.
1: because um, Cass is trying to feed, uh, they don't name the baby yet, but he's trying to feed the, the girl, the baby. Baby girl. Baby girl. And, uh, he's having a problem because the nipple is clogged. And so he's, like, forcefully shaking it and is just like, look, daddy told you he would fix it. Daddy did it for you. Here's the bottle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, but when he turns around, Isabel is already in the room.
0: Yeah, and she's just like, is she all right? Is she doing okay? Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, she, she starts crying and admits that she... Never meant to give her away. It's all because she wanted him to come running, and now she feels guilty. She's the bad guy in this.
1: Well, she is. She did a bad thing. Mm hmm I think just because it perpetuates bad bad ideals for women... Women have done this in the past. Women have used a child to gain the affections of a man back, or at least force them back into a relationship. It doesn't happen as much as people think it does, but it does happen. Mm hmm So, she was the bad
0: guy. She was. It was just sad. But they're in love. All of a sudden, yeah. Well, I mean... He said, but she's like, "Well, didn't you get married?" And he's like, "Oh no, you can't get married like that here in Chicago. You gotta wait three days."
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you have to be in the city for three days. It's not yeah. like Vegas.
0: But so then, yeah, with not even thinking about the girl that he just attempted to marry, not thinking about the girl he was supposed to marry that day, he's just like, "Okay, me and El- Isabel and our baby forever."
1: Yeah, but I think it was always Isabel from the beginning.
0: Yeah, they they want, they want wanted to do that just so I feel like that there would be the mom in the picture. So that he wouldn't end up alone with them. Yeah. Do you think that Isabel wanted the baby? I, yes. When? When did she want it?
1: Did she always want it from the beginning or did she only want it when Cass came back? She
0: said she never intended to give the baby up. Are you sure that wasn't a lie too? I don't know, I believe her. She's pretty distraught, but then, like, yeah, things change, and it didn't... She didn't seem... But, I mean, like, they knew that he was taking good care of the baby. Yeah. But I'm saying
1: when uh, when she's talking to the doctor um, before... I guess this is, like, stuff that's going on before. She She really did convince the doctor that she wanted to give her up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And... Because they kept on... The doctor had said you know, we really, we know change of heart happens, so we want to make sure that we, we've tried to make sure that this was the right decision, so that's why we asked you a ton, kind of saying. Which, yeah, that that is a thing with adoption, is that you're always constantly kind of having to reassure your decision sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: They cover that in Juno. Yeah,
1: because it is, it's a hard thing to do. It's not something that you can just do on a whim, which is, it's often... You have to really put the baby before yourself, and some for some people that is really hard to do because you want to you want them to know that you love them, and it wasn't just.
0: But maybe she was a bit in, of an idiot herself and was just thinking that it would work right away, you know, that her plan in her head, like he would come there, see the baby, and then they would just be all happily, nothing would ever get bad like this.
1: Yeah, I. Like, I kind of thought the baby would never
0: leave her arms.
1: Yeah, it was. I don't know. I thought that she didn't really. She had the two options that she wanted. If Cast didn't show up, she could give the baby up for adoption because that was kind of. I don't know. They didn't really explore this this side of it very well, or explain her side of it very well. Where it she, could have. She could have... I think that she was lying. I think that she was willing to give the baby up for adoption if he didn't come back.
0: I think that is possible because in those times, the parents could have just easily sent her away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being like, you can't have this... We'll take the baby, you go and work in those Magdalene, like, laundries.
1: Yeah, in, like, a in the church, in the, the yeah. nunnery. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's a possible thing that could have happened to her. Yeah.
1: And so... I think her dad was there and he was supportive of her no matter what kind of thing.
0: Mhm.
1: Like he was like, "Well, we're going to we're going to find the baby. We're going to get the baby or whatever."
0: It didn't her intentions really that you're discussing really weren't clear.
1: No, because they went back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. And it went back and forth at the expense of the story. Yeah. It was never like she had this specific conviction.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm like, I didn't like it. You still like it?
1: I like it from the standpoint of the fact that this is a movie from the 40s about a man raising a child. I think that that is something that needs to be... It doesn't need to be a comedy, but it needs to be explored more or talked about more because boys need to think that they should Mm -hmm. be involved in their children's lives just as much as girls need to be.
0: I agree with you there, but... In terms of, like, story and structure and Oh, characters, it was all fucked up. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I can't... I, I I, see the intention, I see what you're going at, but I just... Movie-wise, no bueno. I thought Gary Cooper, in his scenes with the
1: baby, did a really good job acting-wise, because I really did feel for him as a father. I was like, yeah, you have every right to have access to your child or be in your child's life, because... Back then, there was no open adoption. Mm -hmm. It was straight up, you didn't know where the baby went, you never had any contact, you never knew whatever happened. And so, if it were like today's standards, it's a little different.
0: I would like to see this movie redone in like the 70s. (laughs) Well, it is this trope,
1: it is kind of a trope of a of a man getting the baby and not knowing what the fuck to do that has lasted all the way on through well, comedy mm-hmm. all the way up until now. So
0: I'm sure we'll see this again. Oh
1: yeah, we'll definitely see this, this again. I've I have But yeah, definitely sure
0: interesting feeling. take on it in the forties.
1: Yeah, because of the historical context of it all. Mhm. And especially the whole family values kind of thing and back then.
0: Okay, so why do you think, did they just want to play off the name Casanova as someone who is involved with many women? As Like, it, I read in Wikipedia that the name is synonymous with womanizer, like that you'd call a womanizer a Casanova.
1: If that's what their intention was, they didn't write that into his character enough. Mm-hmm. He did not feel like a Casanova. He to me he was always in love with Isabel. He tried to get over her because of everything that happened and how his parent or her parents basically put the kibosh to their wedding or to their marriage. So that's why he went to to Madge. He might have went to Madge a little too quickly. I think mm-hmm. this is a whole rebound relationship issue again. But yeah, if that was their intention, I don't. I didn't see it.
0: Yeah, it's just weird that it was written in there and brought up a few times. But yeah, not really connected to the character.
1: Yeah, the only time that it was really connected was when he brought up the fact that he wrote a book about his distant relative from Italy. Yeah. Yeah, that's...
0: It's like they're trying to give the characters too many traits. Mm Mm-hmm. If you
1: constantly are giving or trying to put all this symbolism into things, it's going to mess with the underlying story a lot because the actors aren't going to know what to do or the audience isn't going to Be able. They're going to be constantly trying to figure out this what certain things mean. That's why I don't really like movies that over have overreaching symbolism Mm -hmm. because I think it just it distracts from what we're actually supposed to be focused on. And I think that maybe we also put symbolism in certain things that shouldn't like the whole. I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent, but. high school English classes that put all this symbolism in books that the author never really intended. And then you make it like a fact. The author really did mean these things when in fact he didn't or Mm -hmm. she didn't. And I hate that. I hate just this over, this need or this constant, this constant need to submit symbolism into every little thing. I think if that was what their intention was, they went about it, that was just dumb in Mm -hmm. a sense. I think... That it was just a name that they liked and just threw it up there. Or that's what I would do. If it was just something, the name, or his name shouldn't have been a symbol or symbolism for what the story was going to be about.
0: Right. Because when I just saw the title of the movie, I was like, oh, it's some guy who, like, is, it's, it's like a love story. He's, you know... Into a lot of women, yeah, or he's just a player or a flirt or something, yeah, he's a
1: big flirt, and he lear- then learns the true meaning of romance. That's what yeah. I thought it was gonna be right, um, about, and then I read the description was like, okay, this is completely different direction of what I was assuming, but yeah, i didn't I didn't get a whole lot of symbolism in this movie at all, and if they were trying to, it didn't come off that way,
0: yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of something is there anything that we have like or that I that we've seen that has
0: similar a movie of today to compare it to? Yeah. Well I was thinking mostly like Juno but not really. Yeah. But that's the only one I can think of.
1: I mean Juno would be kind of the the female version of this movie in a sense because she she does end up falling in love again with the father Mm -hmm. and they kind of have this mutual respect for one another yeah in the end
0: well in Juno was it just because they were kids that you know the father I mean he was just like you could do whatever with it because he was you know a nice guy um, Michael (laughs) Sarah. I think in Juno the way
1: that it was Explain like the, she explained to him was that she wanted to give it up for adoption because they could not give the baby the life that it deserves and they still had so much of their own lives to live and so it would be like baby taking care of a baby mm-hmm. and he really agreed with that and he didn't I think he really wanted the opportunity to to still grow as as a person and she, although she deeply cared for the baby, she did not want um, it to grow up in the same environment that she grew up, essentially. She wanted a better life for it.
0: Yeah, because her mom was out of the picture.
1: Yeah, she she did not... I don't think she was ready to be a mom because the only understanding that she had of motherhood was absentee.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and then her stepmom, which she doesn't get along with. Her stepmom but she ends up. Getting yeah, along with.
1: she ends up getting along with him because they end up kind of again finding the mutual respect for one another because her stepmom has been there, but it's exactly like a step parent who comes in when the child is essentially already kind of establishing their own identity and in Juno it's where the stepmom comes in right around like the age of 10. And so Juno was really kind of already understanding of the world, so you didn't really need that mother figure as much, Mm -hmm. but yet the stepmom wanted to be so much that she kind of forced it on her. And so that caused that tension Mm -hmm. from, just from the, they don't really explain that in the movie, but just from that kind of back and forth that they had, that's what I got from it. Mm -hmm. In this movie, it's, it's very different. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can't think of one that is similar enough to this story. Like there, there's no kidnapping movies that I can think of that are father kidnapping their child because they want to be in their life. But the man raising the baby is a huge comedic trope. I mean, For like
0: I'm thinking like raising Arizona now too, but that had a couple.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of like Daddy Daycare, where dad loses his job, so now he has to take care of the kids, and he starts this whole daycare service. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of com- comedy that comes with that because men don't. Men are perceived as not knowing about children.
0: Okay, back to this of something that I like doing now. Isabel and Cass, their future. Will they last? <laughs> beyond the movie. I think they are completely
1: caught around. I think this little girl is going to be spoiled beyond belief because of what they had to go through to, to keep her essentially. Like, they're going to love that kid forever because of how their beginnings were. hmm Um, so I think so, yes. I think that, that, that connection, that bond with their child is going to help their relationship.
0: It also helps that the mom isn't into astrology anymore.
1: Yes, it definitely helps that that's not going on, and I think... If Cass stops smoking and doesn't burn any more houses down, I think yeah. everything will be fine.
0: I just can't. Like this day and age, the police would have been there. Child services <laughs> would have taken the kid away. <laughs> this is why we can't think of an example. Like this, doesn't happen beyond like. Well, it doesn't happen
1: one because it's not really possible to happen, and because these two these two adults were sane. These these guys were not like on drugs or anything like that. Like a lot of times, you know, the kids are being taken away by child services as babies because the parents are on drugs. They don't send them home with that type of behavior or something like that, which is why we have so much security because tweakers have tried to steal babies and take them home with them because that's their kid. But I don't know. This day and age, I think we take away children very quickly on the basis of other people's opinions, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: rather than actually sitting around and understanding the family dynamics. And I think that if we had a better understanding and, I guess, less of a stigma on mental health in this day and age, we would have a better understanding of family dynamics and what plays out in those. I'm trying to think. Uh, Just because people don't believe in spanking, they believe that it's beating a child, or you don't believe in strong discipline, or we want to be friends with your child, not your parent, or there's so many different aspects of parenthood nowadays. Everybody wants to tell everybody else how to parent their child, and that kind of leads into this overprotective society of we have to save the children, and put them into maybe even even worse situations because foster care the foster care system that we have is not very good. It puts children in points of danger or they never get out of that system until they age out and then once they age out they don't have any support they're just on their own. And we really need to think about how that mentally affects children and what what we're we're saying cuz i think a lot of it i'm going to get a little political here but a lot of it is like this whole pro life mm-hmm. thing where you if you
0: don't like too many unwanted babies get born
1: yes if you if you are truly pro life you won't you aren't just caring about that embryo you aren't just caring about the the collection of cells that make up what can be a baby You care about that baby after it's born. You care about the mother that has to take care of that baby now because she doesn't have access to the health care that she needs or to the job that she needs. You give that mom maternity leave. You, You don't expect moms to go right back to work right after they have a baby. You have to think about how one decision affects so many chain of events. Like, if... Let's say that 16-year-old who made a stupid, drunken decision ended up getting pregnant, didn't get an abortion, but, hey, her pro-life parents who taught her how wrong abortion is kicks her out of the house because she's now pregnant, isn't going to support her. She has to find a waitressing job to to take care of this baby, but she can't pay for any child care, so this means that the baby ends up where? Mm Mm-hmm. Where did, like, where along the lines does this happen? So you have to kind of think about the child as a child after birth and not just protecting that one thing that may not have a voice. But what about those kids who go to school and that's their only meal for the day because their parents can't afford to feed them because they're constantly working or never around or have to pay for rent to make sure that this kid is okay like that's not in my opinion that is not you're not pro-life unless you actually believe in socialist things but yeah that's my political spiel for
0: today (laughs) the cutaways podcast (laughs) supports your local adoption services (laughs) we are
1: not sponsored by anything i swear just passionate about certain things (laughs)
0: Like, how did we
1: get here? I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, must transition. (laughs) Must transition, but how? Do you want to rate the movie? (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Justine, how would you rate this movie? I give it two baby burps. Aw, that's cute. I'm going to give it two and a half baby nappies. Ew! (laughs) Ew! I like the word nappy. It doesn't necessarily have to be a dirty nappy.
0: Oh, right.
1: I just, I always grew up with it being called diapers. Nappy is just adorable.
0: All right. um, Next week, we are watching 1948's Miranda. Miranda. Now, so that everybody can hear Miranda. (laughs) We always say Miranda. If you're a Firefly fan. (laughs) Brown Codes Unite! You can listen to us and download our episodes at thecutaways.com. Please leave us comments and rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Cutaways Podcast. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye! (laughs)